Holy moly, today's episode's a good one. Did you know that you could label products while watching Breaking Bad and build a massively successful company? I didn't know either, but Bethany talked about it today. The biggest Black Friday disaster that she's ever had, how to fix it. She keeps a running list of mistakes that have happened in building a massively successful e-commerce brand with the best ingredients and the highest priced products that she will not bow on. And she went from labels with Breaking Bad to running a team of 40, and she spends most of her time writing blogs and thinking about customer experiences. And I also learned that I can actually train someone to be just as OCD as me, if not better. And the final one, do your employees operate with the spell test? That's what we cover in today's episode, and I'm going to tell you this is for every single entrepreneur, no matter where you are in your business, physical product, digital product, I'm not going to taint it anymore. Let's cue the intro, and let's get into the show. Welcome to the Mind of George show. This is a free-for-all Friday episode where just about anything can happen. I've had business leaders come on and share insider industry secrets. I've had monks and hypnotherapists come on, talk about mindset, discipline, the subconscious, and even swearing at me, which I never thought I would hear from a monk. Plus, I've had hours of spilling my deepest thoughts, fears, ideas, and everything in between the earlobes in my mind of George. But you can find all the episodes at mindofgeorge.com, and you never know what can happen on a free-for-all Friday. But one thing that can be guaranteed is it will either be eye-opening groundbreaking, or at the very least, entertaining. So let's open our minds and get into the show. And welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And today I am joined by a very special guest, somebody who I know, whose family I know, who has done everything from being on a farm, feeding me chicken, to being the person responsible for me relaxing in a flower bath to help (laughs) de-stress as an entrepreneur after all my amazing days of work and everything else. But I'm joined by somebody that I call a friend, somebody I respect, somebody who I watch pursue her passion and somehow make it look perfect, make it look easy from the outside and absolutely crush. So today we have Bethany McDaniel and she has a story that I can't wait for her to share and I won't do it any justice. So Bethany, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, George. That was quite the intro. It's it's so great to talk to you. You've always been such a huge support to me and my family. So really appreciate all yeah. the support you've given us over the years. Yeah, you I mean I like you guys are like the modern day every amazing family mixed together from like everyone that I've seen in history and I love it. You guys are close, you work <laughs> together. And I I swear that every time I turn, you guys are innovating on a new path that I was like, they would be the ones because I couldn't do that. And I just like to be along for the ride. I'm like, just leave me a seat in the trailer. I'm coming with you. <laughs> coming with oh, you. Thank you. Yeah, no. And I mean it too. The amount of like design and beauty and like intentionality and in everything that all of you do just makes my heart happy. And I, I use you guys as examples all the time, but it's actually perfect because my first question, and I ask all my guests this because this is what I love about entrepreneurship. When you look back at, oh, I started a farm. I started eating healthy. I realized the importance of quality ingredients. I'm going to go start one of the most beautiful, best skincare, organic, you know, quality ingredient companies ever. And you fast forward, when you look back at that, what was the biggest mistake that you made and what did you learn about it? Oh my goodness. So many mistakes <laughs> over the years. <laughs> and I actually keep a list of all of the mistakes and things that have gone wrong because in the moment it always feels like 
okay, this is it. This is, things are done. There's no coming back from this. And then you always do. And then you get to that next thing and you feel like then things are over in that moment. So I keep a list and then I look back whenever I'm feeling that way. Okay, all of these things happened and we're still, we're still in a good place. We're still in business. So this is no different, this thing that I'm going through now. But gosh, to answer your question, the biggest mistake. I think the area that, that I definitely look back on as like, me needing way more experience in and the the thing that like led to so many of the mistakes I guess like from a few years ago was just having no experience in business or managing people and not like investing in learning. I was so head down for the first couple of years that I wasn't like I wasn't listening to podcasts like this one. I wasn't reading books. I wasn't doing any of that stuff and I was just feeling like constantly overwhelmed by how, like learning how to manage people and just all the things that business, I started out thinking, I'm just going to make these amazing products and interact with our customers. And it's going to be so fun. I didn't think about all the behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had no background in, in any of that. I was a low level employee at Lululemon. And then I was working at Special Olympics and I'd never managed a person in my life. And now I have a team of 40 people under me. And so there was a huge learning curve and I wish I had invested sooner in learning and educating myself and finding a mentor and things like that. Yeah. That is such a valid answer to that question. And I think most of the entrepreneurs I know, myself included, learned that lesson. Like this year, actually, like COVID was a big eye opener in the state of the world. And I went from one coach to nine in the matter of- 90 days. And it's probably been the absolute best thing that I've ever done. And I was like, it never stops learning. And so now two things that you said that I think are really important. And one of them is perspective. So you basically keep this running list of things that felt like 911, my life is over, the business is gone. So you have this plugin to look back when it comes up again. And so I'm assuming it comes up again. You're like, okay, wait, we've been here before. Let's hit the pause button. Let's figure out what's really going on and getting you out of the weeds of what's there. That's actually, I've never heard anybody say that. And I think that's a really good tool to keep a list running of that. And so you've made some, I have so many questions because I know your business from the outside and know you a little bit and really believe that what you've done is so absolutely amazing. But, But when you think about that now, like looking at the future as an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter where we are. Like there's this spot in our business or in our world where that's our sweet spot. What's your sweet spot in the company? Like when you look at it, what are the big things that only you do that you're like, every time it comes up, I do this. What is that role for you in the business? Yeah, that's a good question because it's something that it's easy to lose sight of that and to get caught up in so many other things that, that are outside of that sweet spot that you talked about. So this will be good for me to think through as we're talking and try to like get back into that place, <laughs> especially right now around the holidays. I feel like I'm just being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. But I think anything consumer facing is I love to be involved in. So anything from like the content that we put out there, I've recently taken the initiative to get more active on our blog and write more blog posts myself. I was really relying on my team to do that for a while and I just missed it. I think it's fun to interact with our community. And I also think it's, it's helpful for me sometimes to look at things and reflect and learn more about 
the ingredients we use or any given topic. It's just fun for me to do. So I love doing that. I love like hopping on stories and chatting with our audience about new product launches or all kinds of random stuff. That's really fun for me. The products, of course, I'm really involved in that, the product creation process. Up until early 2020, I was still formulating everything myself. And then in, I think, January or February of this year, we brought on an herbalist who's a natural product formulator to really take charge of that. But I'm still working super closely with her on all that stuff. Yeah, I think that would be it, like the, the products, the content, and all the design stuff as well that we do. Yeah, and if you guys listening want to see... <laughs> In my opinion, what like brand perfection and congruency looks, go to her website. It's primallyappear.com. I mean it. Like it's like the Apple aesthetic of the best products ever. And you do amazing. And so when you say one of the biggest mistakes is like trying to do it all yourself and like really just like blinders on, head down, I'm going to figure this out. I feel like that's probably the default a lot of time. Like I can imagine like hiring your first like herbalist or product manufacturer came from head down and then getting up. So what's your process like where you're like, okay, I think I can figure this out on my own. I'm going to figure this out on my own, or I'm aware that I probably need to bring in some external support. Do you go through a process for that? Or like, how do you identify like where to put your head down or where to be like, okay, like life card, like I need help somebody jump in. What's that look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I could use more of a process for that, but (laughs) (laughs) I, I do try to evaluate just things on a regular basis. So I have a a planner every day. It asks me, it's the Brendan Burchard planner. So every day at the end of the day, it asks like a series of questions and I go through those. And then on a weekly basis, I try to look back at my notes for the week and what was I saying each day that I needed help with or that that didn't go well that day? What were those things and how can I fix those? And sometimes it's, okay, I need to go to bed earlier so I have extra time in the morning to work on those things. Or sometimes it's, yeah, I could really use like some help, some outside help in this area. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah. So it sounds like just being aware, like just really yeah. understanding like where your time goes and then looking at it. Do I really want to keep doing this thing? Is this that blogging, totally. writing, product designers, this one of those kind of soul sucking, this is not going to help my customers and get yes. there and get help. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Now what I think is so interesting about your story, right? Like I talked to thousands of entrepreneurs are like, I want to launch a product. I want to launch a supplement. I want to launch a skincare company. And the first thing they do is who can manufacture my product for me? And you're like, how do we manufacture our own product? (laughs) Like in my backyard. (laughs) Yes. And I'm assuming that has come with kind of its own unique sets of challenges, but also has some like serious reward because you guys as a family, like Primal Pastures, by the way, is the farm. You guys have that running out of myriad. I'm like, we have chicken farms and up the street from me. And then obviously you guys are friends and you're like, I'm going a mile down the road. And not only are we going to do this, we're going to create our own products, manufacture them, build the team to build them, make them in-house, formulate them, package them, ship them, and own the entire experience. And I look at you and I was like, you're amazing. And that probably was the hardest, most resistant road that you could go down. And so what has that been like for you? Like, what have you done? How did you get to that point? Why was that the decision? What was your process into that? And like, how did you go about that? Yeah, in the beginning, it just happened by default. So 
in the very early stages, like I was doing all the manufacturing myself in my kitchen. I was shipping products out of like the room that was going to be my daughter's nursery. <laughs> I was like labeling products in the living room. I remember watching Breaking Bad, like going on a Breaking Bad binge because I'd never seen it before. And I just watched all the seasons at once and I had all this labeling to do. And I was just like labeling products, watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> so it was nuts. It was like all, I was a one woman show for a long time. And so I had so much ownership of every step of the process. I couldn't imagine anyone else ever making my products. So I remember when my husband, Jeff was like, Hey, like you've been up till 1am the past four nights making deodorant. Do you think you could maybe hire someone to do that? Because you're making decent sales. You're doing pretty well. Like you could probably hire someone to make the product. And I thought he was crazy. Like I thought, no way there's, I'm never letting anyone else touch the products other than me. Like no one could do as good of a job as me to make them, <laughs> which of course like wasn't true. And I was probably also not doing the best job because I was running myself into the ground. But once I did hand that part of the process off, there was a lot of freedom for me in realizing, okay, this doesn't all have to fall on my shoulders. There's there are people out there that can do just as good of a job, if not a much better job than me in a lot of areas of my business. And, and so I still had that intense protection over our manufacturing and everything that we did really. But I also had the knowledge, the realization that at that time that other people can do this, this isn't rocket science. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kept it, I wanted to keep it in house because I had witnessed so many inconsistencies and in ingredients, like with natural ingredients, nothing is uniform yep. and just so many little details that I would catch and that I could train people to catch, but I didn't necessarily trust a manufacturing team in another state that I didn't know that I didn't, I don't know their employees. I don't know. I can't train them. And so I just felt like the quality control was going to be much better if we could just continue doing this on our own. And and that's what we've done. I still, I know everybody on my team. I know their names. I talk to them. I trust them. And it's just a really good feeling knowing everyone that touches your product and also being able to provide jobs in the community. Yeah. I, I, I feel like what you embody is loving your customers through loving your product and the team to get it to your customers. Like you guys are impeccable with what you do. And there's so many lessons in what you just said that took me 12 years of quote unquote suffering to learn is what it felt like. You're like, because I, I think all of us get to that point where it's, I'm running this business. I got it going. And there's like this endowment to how we were doing things. And it's so easy to just keep doing it. But there's also this other side where you realize you're like, wow, we can have the same standards, the same attention to detail, the same level of love and care, but at a bigger scale. If I remove myself and train people to see it like I see it. And the truth is that all of it's trainable and I love that. And so when you made that transition, and I think this is something that comes up a lot. The first thing was, is you're like, okay, quality matters to me. And, and we'll talk about that in a minute, like how you come to product formulations and all that stuff. Cause you guys use the best of the best, but you're like quality matters. And so that quality matters of what I put in. Oh, but with that quality comes its own unique set of circumstances. And I want to be able to control that circumstance to make sure my customers have the best experience. So I can't get it manufactured. I need to keep it in house. And you're like, okay, but I can't quality control this all myself. There's no way with the amount of products that you make that you can do that. And so you're like, okay, so then I have to train somebody. And so when you get to that point, 
what I struggled with for a long time was how do I train somebody to have my level of OCD was basically Mm -hmm. what what it really boiled down to. And I was like, how did you miss that? I see this in my sleep and I get there. And I went through my own circumstances, but I would love to hear like how you take that, those things that are really important to you as the person who made this product and believes in this product and wants this experience. And how did you go about training somebody to catch that and see that in that process so you could buy your time back and really run this business? Yeah, great question. And I'm still like always just thinking through new ways to do this, but we have a recipe book and it has all of our products formulas as well as like instructions on how to make them. And so our rule is like two people have to be present at all times, validating everything that's happening, whether that's like measuring ingredients or smelling ingredients before they're added to a batch, like there has to be two people present and they each have to validate this smells right. This looks right. This is the right amount of this ingredient that goes in the product. And once we implemented that, I really, that kind of, that gave me a lot of peace of mind because I trust everyone on our team, but everyone's human and mistakes happen. I would make mistakes back when I was making the product, just hiring first off, like hiring great people and hiring people that do have that attention to detail and that care about the process and doing things right. And then also allowing, knowing that even with those types of people in place, mistakes will still happen. But if there's two people that are that are making the products together and validating every step, there's a much less chance that mistakes are going to happen. And they still do. Yeah. <laughs> and it, but not as often, not that often. Yeah. I think one of the things that happened to me, and I don't, I would actually love to hear your thoughts on this because like we bump, it's funny guys, just so everybody knows, Bethany and I go to the same coffee shop. She's always working and I'm getting my coffee and we bump into each other and that's how we get updates. And I was like, I got to have you on the podcast. And that's how we got here. One of the things for me, Bethany, that comes up is I have a team and my team is spread throughout the world. One of them lives in Mexico. One of them lives in Texas. Like one of them lives in Vietnam and speaks perfectly English. Wow. He's like my secret sauce. Like he like, and Richard, <laughs> if you're listening to this, cause you're writing this, you're amazing. Um, and one of the things that I, I hear you saying that I think is so important is that you basically document like what's important. And if this is important, how do we build the team or the container around it to make it important. But I think the biggest part is having grace when it doesn't work. And so if it breaks or if it doesn't work, looking at it instead of, I got to take it back. What can we improve in the process? What can we add as a fail safe or a catch for that? And for me, that was probably the hardest part for me because my natural response was, oh, it's broken. I'll just do it again. Or Mm -hmm. this one was missed. And I almost had to seatbelt myself in and say, you can't jump back in the water. Like you can't do it. Has that come up for you at all in any of this? Yeah, a lot, a lot. And I think that's, it's like easier in the moment to just, to just jump back in and and fix it. Yeah. But it long-term, like you're doing yourself and your employees such a disservice by, by continuing to do that. Yeah, no, I, it's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. I know. I look at this and I don't think I've, I'll ever have it figured out. It's just this learning process to get there. And, and I love it. I, I just, I hear you speak and I can imagine what it's like. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the natural product space, like I've been in this space for a long time. It is the craziest space because when you use real ingredients, they expire. And mm-hmm. if they get too much heat or too much air or too much anything, they yeah. can go bad. And, and literally, I'm going to put in the headline of this podcast, do your employees do the smell test? Like that has to go <laughs> in here. It's such a good. <laughs> but I think it applies everywhere. Just making sure you're checking all the textures, you're checking all the scents, all the tr- this the signs that we have in our business 
of yeah. like whether it's our social media posts or whether it's our emails. And I'm assuming that when you get into we're done making the product, but now it's time to market the product, we're looking at packaging. Do you do the same process with like your packaging and your labels? What is it like throughout that process? What's your QC? What do you guys pay attention to? What do you have your team looking for? What are your non-negotiables with your team yeah. before it leaves the door? Yeah. So we have, we have like multiple people working on every step. Like you mentioned labels. We have someone in-house that our designer, we actually um, use an agency, but we have someone in-house that works really closely with her on the labels. So they're like going back and forth and sending different iterations and making tweaks. And then once they feel like it's good, then I'll look it over. And um, even something like that for a while, I was like CC'd on all those emails back and forth. And I felt I have to, I have to know what's going on, but now it's okay. It's so much better just letting them handle like all the tweaks that they know need to happen. And then by the end of it, I maybe notice like one little thing, but I'm not like having to rack my brain and make notes of like these 13 things that are off. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's so nice. And then with, with our newsletters, I still do review those. Like every email we send out, I review it. But again, like up until recently, like even a few weeks ago, I was in on all those back and forth emails <laughs> <laughs> until the final version. And now like my team just creates a Dropbox folder for me and I review all the emails for the month in one sitting. Mm. So it's crazy. Like you think that you've evaluated things and made good choices about what you're involved in and not involved in, but I'm sure even for sure, like right now, there's several things that I could improve upon and could remove myself from even more that I havenven't thought of. Yeah. Um, well, because things just change so fast. Of course. And I think the thing that's important is as you get to the scale that you're at and you keep going, the amount of changes required increases exponentially daily. There's never a coasting period again. There's this constant iterative period, like every moment of yeah. every day, add a new customer, add a new employee, add a new product, need to buy your time back. Cause that's the limited resource. And I think you're doing okay. absolutely amazing. And it, it's actually really fun talking about this because like, I go through these same things and I see them all yeah, the time. Yeah, sure. And I love like opening the hood for people. And it's I, I have I, some, one of my best friends, I'll never forget, they had a $600 million a year. And he, for a year, was convinced he didn't ever want it again. He's I want to go back to where I was like because the growth was wow. so crazy that there was like no foundation. He's It almost yeah. broke me and it was a big lesson. And so I think it's falling in love that it's always going to be iterative and yeah. having grace in what we do and how we do it. And so I want to know what was the first product that you started manufacturing and how did you get there? Like you went from, cause I remember, I literally will never forget. I bumped into Paul at Ryan brothers coffee <laughs> and we had known each other. And I was like, what are you up to? He's like, I'm starting a chicken farm. And I was like, you're starting a, <laughs> a what? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, you're going from a Marine officer to a chicken farm. Okay, cool. And I'll never forget coming out to the farm and he taught me how to process me and like we're yeah, out there for like hours, like literally like cleaning chickens and processing them and bagging them. And I was like, you're going to sell these for yeah. how much money? And he's like, this is how much <laughs> they cost. And the property is still like only 10 minutes away from me and I drive by it all the time. What was that like for you when you, you were like, okay, you went from, okay, what goes into my body matters. This is really important. Did you start manufacturing products mm -hmm. for yourself? Is that how it started or what mm -hmm. kind of got you going with this? Yes. Like you mentioned, the first step was really 
taking a look at what I was eating and changing that up, switching out my diet from processed foods to real foods. I think for a lot of people, that's where it starts. And then you start to look at, okay, so I was wrong about what foods I thought were healthy for my entire life. What, what else have I been lied to about? And, and then that kind of led me to skincare. And growing up in high school, I had acne. It actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was at the time. I think I did more damage to my skin from trying to treat it than versus if I would have just left it alone. Yep. Because the products I was using were so toxic and, and none of them worked. They were always just a short-lived solution. And then I felt like they would cause these um, side effects that were like worse than my acne was to begin with. So I always had that in the back of my mind of there has to be something more to this. And then food, once I changed my diet, my skin improved a lot. And then when I started switching out my toxic products for just really simple, natural ingredients in the beginning, I switched out like my uh, moisturizer for just pure jojoba oil. That made a huge difference. So it was this like slow progression of, okay, and it was all like puzzle pieces coming together in my mind. Okay, food, that made such a difference and swapping out my whatever I was using at the time, Clinique, probably like moisturizer with jojoba oil made a huge difference. And it all just started clicking. And then I was looking into deodorant and I was blown away by just conventional deodorant and how many toxins it has and just aluminum and how that blocks our pores and how we actually don't want that to happen because sweating is such an important way that our body detoxes. I was like shocked by everything I was finding on deodorant. So I was like, okay, this one is important. This one I'm switching to just coconut oil and baking soda right away. And I started doing that. I would just dip my finger in a little jar of coconut oil and then dip my finger in some baking soda and rub it on every morning. And I wanted Jeff, my husband to do the same thing. And <laughs> he, he was not interested in what I was doing. <laughs> so he was like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to rub my, dip my fingers in something, but if there's a stick form, I would do that. And so I was looking online for something like that. This was back in 2012. So there weren't a whole lot of natural options and the ones that were out there, I feel like they were pretty expensive. And I already had a lot of these ingredients because I was experimenting on my own. So I just figured I would try to make a natural stick form deodorant. And so I started experimenting and I started using different like versions on myself. I had Jeff try them. They were pretty rough in the beginning, (laughs) but I was getting, I was like determined to create something that worked really well and create like a good experience, a good user experience with it. I was bringing them to CrossFit and having my friends try them. I was having my church friends try them, having my family try them like everyone and just gathering this feedback and making tweaks. And it was about a two-year process of doing that before I actually launched the the deodorant on the Primal Pastures website. And then from there, it took off, not in a huge way, but for me, it felt huge at the time because I wasn't expecting people Mm -hmm. to really be interested, but they were, thankfully. And I eventually started a website just for Primally Pure, and that was in 2015. Okay. And so when you look back, there's probably like some defining moments in this, right? What would you say are some of those top defining moments? And by the way, is deodorant still like one of the top SKUs? for you yeah yeah Yeah. it's our bestseller yeah yeah i love yeah i love it it makes me so happy to see which by the way i will email you after i need need to restock up before the move to montana but when and by the way the charcoal deodorant everybody check it out use it 
Men too. Everybody right. listening to us, men, women, if you men have beards, I'm not allowed to have a beard because wifey says, <laughs> no way. She has beard oil and stuff too. There's plenty of stuff for you there. And I don't you even have a cocktail named beard yeah. oils? Yeah, there's a good story with that one, actually. I, I would was, love to hear it. <laughs> I I wanted to make a beard oil, but it was always just like on the back burner. And then I was in Mexico on the beach sipping a mojito. And I was like, a mojito is just lime and peppermint. Like I can make a mojito product. And and then I was thinking, okay, but I, and I've always wanted a beard oil. That would be like, that would work really well, actually. And then what other drinks could I replicate using essential oils? And then I thought... I could do an old fashioned and old fashioned is like orange and I could add some other essential oils that kind of feel like masculine and to give it that like old fashioned profile. And so that's like my best product formula creation story ever. <laughs> I love it. I mean, just sipping a mojito down in Mexico, come up with a product. I, I love it. So when you look at back in the company and some of those defining moments, did you ever hit one of those moments where you're like, this is all over? Like where you're just like, it's done. I'm out. This is going to crush us. Whether it was uh, the Black Friday disaster that you had or something along those lines. What was that like? And then what did you take from that to keep going? Because I've hit moments before where this, I actually walked away from a company. And I was like, but I didn't walk away because the company was bad. I realized that I was no longer in it and I couldn't pursue something that wasn't fun for me anymore. But I, I'm assuming there's been some of those moments where, yep, this is it. Everybody bought it. Oh my God, I have to launch a website and that being a moment. And then tell me about this like Black Friday disaster. I actually really want to hear about this because you still use this for lesson learns coming forward. Yeah. Yeah. So this was two years ago, I believe. Okay. And maybe it was three years ago, <laughs> two or three years ago, we launched our new deodorant tubes, the ones that you'll see on our website now. Mm -hmm. Before that, we were using like these clear, they just, we had to label them ourselves. They weren't as cool looking. So we had, we were super pumped. We were launching these new deodorant tubes. We were launching our charcoal deodorant, which wasn't a product before then. And we had this whole like Black Friday campaign planned out of like launching our charcoal deodorant on Black Friday and like all these fun little jingles of like charcoal and playing on like the coal kind of aspect of Christmas and stockings and all that stuff. We had like ads scheduled, our affiliates were all plugged in and ready to push these promos. And it was our first, so these tubes were our first like international packaging order. So we'd ordered them from overseas. We had never done that before. And then the tubes were going to arrive and we would of course make the product and fill the tubes in-house. And we, we were confident that we would nothing, there were going to be no hiccups. Like our supplier assured us that everything would happen like according to schedule. So we felt really good going into the planning and leading up to it. The few weeks leading up to it, we were feeling really excited and great. And the tubes like hadn't arrived and we were like inching closer and closer to Black Friday weekend. The tubes were still we still didn't have them in our possession, but our supplier was really like encouraging us like they, that we would have them. Come to find out like Black Friday rolls around. We still don't have the tubes. We're still like trusting they're gonna arrive any day. And then somehow we find out like they're still in the middle of the ocean somewhere, like still on a boat in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> we had no idea. We thought like we would be getting them any day. So 
very like naive to think that everything would go according to plan in that process, but we had just never done it before. We didn't know. So we launched the promo on the deodorant tubes. We launched the, our brand new charcoal deodorant. It went crazy. We sold a lot of them, which was great, but we couldn't fill any of the orders and we had no idea when the tubes would actually arrive. So we're just like twiddling our thumbs at first because we literally couldn't fill any of the orders. And then thankfully like, Cyber Monday, we had a different promo. So once that hit, we could start at least filling all the Cyber Monday orders. And that took us several days to get through. And the whole time we're just like, gosh, I hope those tubes arrive. And they finally arrived, but we had no idea the, like what customs was like. And that, I think they arrived like a week after Black Friday. And then there was like another week that they were in customs and being held up and we were just like ready to drive to LA and get like search through these box carts or whatever, however they store them and find them and retrieve them and bring them back. But we, we obviously, obviously you can't do that. So we just had to wait and wait. And finally the tubes arrived like two weeks after the fact, customers were emailing us. We were just like being, sending as nice of responses as possible, but it was hard because we didn't really have an estimated date of when we could ship them in our orders, meaning that, that we would be able to somewhat soon. So once like all these tubes arrived on a huge semi, we had no idea like that you needed to like how to get the, the boxes off of the semi. We didn't have a, a loading dock or anything or a forklift or anything. So like our whole team, I think I had maybe 10 people on the team at the time. We just dropped what we were doing. And we all like went out to the truck and we had a few people that were standing in the truck and then several people that were like at the standing, like on the floor. And we would like hand boxes, the people that were in the truck would hand boxes to the people that were on the floor. And it took us like two hours, but we got the truck unloaded. It was crazy. <laughs> so you guys didn't have a forklift. So literally you no. guys had to unpackage it in the back of the truck and then have an assembly line of people basically yeah. passing them in. Exactly. Yep. And we all got a really good workout. We were all really sore the next day, but we got everything unloaded. And then we had to scramble to make the deodorant and fill the tubes, which took even longer. But, but we did end up getting all the orders out in time for Christmas delivery. So Okay. You no, know, it all worked out. And I'm going to venture to say knowing and watching how you guys communicate with customers and what they're like, there wasn't really too much of a fallout. You guys were really open. Everybody was probably well received. Yeah. Yeah. Once we just, I don't think we shared every single detail, but once we were always like really accommodating in our responses. And I think we gave, we bumped everyone up to a bigger size of deodorant or gave a free lip balm or we did a something to hopefully make up for it. So yeah, it, the customers were very understanding. Thankfully. I think the lesson in that for anybody is uh, stinky fish never get better with time. Just keep them informed. Don't just pretend that nothing's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that would not yeah. go well. For sure. <laughs> oh man. I've dealt with air freight quite a few times. We've had containers lost at sea for our diaper bag backpacks. We've had them held yeah. and somehow lost in port. And I'm like, how do you lose it? And then six weeks later, like, we found it. And I was like, okay, thanks. Oh, such a nightmare. I'm like, we were in the middle of an insurance claim when it was found. And we're like trying to deal with all that. It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. So many things can go wrong. It does. And <laughs> I think that's a part of the game that we play though. And, and 
every time I hear you talk about this, like when you're speaking about it, like you do what you can to mitigate it. You learn from it, you make an adjustment, and you plan. And so I'm assuming now for Black Fridays or any promo or any big thing, have you increased your lead time? Like how do you go about that now? Because, you know, no matter where you are in business, whether you have somebody co-packing for you, whether you're doing it yourself, whether you're shipping or manufacturing, we do, unless you really own everything – and none of us do because we're not making our raw ingredients for deodorant containers and doing all of that. We mm-hmm. rely on all these other people. So what do you guys do now when you're thinking about a promo? Like how far out do you do it? What do you do in that plan? Because you got product, you got inventory, you got shipping, you got all of those fun things. What's that look like now? Yeah. Yeah. In preparation for Black Friday, we start deciding on what we're going to do several months out. So I think like maybe four to six months out, we, we, we like to have decisions made by then. So it's weird. You get done with it and you get into the new year and then it's like, oh, we have to start, you have to start thinking about that again (laughs) already because yeah, there's just so much that goes into it. Yeah. I, I, what's funny is I, I feel the same way. Like we finish a black Friday time of the year and I'm like, okay, next year. Like I always try to like get there as soon as possible just to even have a semblance of a plan. And what are their holidays? Like when you guys look at this, I have two questions, but this one I want to know because when you look at what you do, I'm assuming you have to get ingredients from all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you have to get one from somewhere and this oil from this one and Apollo Santo yeah. oil from this one. And so your logistics are yeah. probably mind-blowing. Do you have one person that just handles all of that or you guys have a pretty dialed system to know like when stuff's coming in? We have really three people are involved in that. So we have our herbalist and she is mainly finding our sources. Oh, got it. So, so she finds the sources and then we have someone that who's our supply chain manager and she does the ordering. Mm. And then our director of operations is like a safety guard and he's more like on the floor monitoring things in real time. And, and if things like are, if there's any surprises or things like are running low and it's unexpectedly, he'll usually raise his hand and get involved and he can spot that stuff. But mainly our supply chain manager is in charge of, of ordering and just staying on top of our inventory and making sure that things are in stock for when we have all the time and especially when we have promos. I uh, I can imagine what it was like when you were doing this like by yourself and getting all these raw ingredients and having to be like, where is it? Did it shift? Did Such I a order mess. more and the quantities? I mean, we <laughs> we do it at High Speed Daddy. We only have one source, but we have to actually, our lead time six months. So we have to spread load inventory orders and rotate lines of credit because wow. we bootstrapped the company. And so it's it's wow. always, it's like a dance is what it feels like. It's yeah, just this it is. dance. And so one yeah. of the things that I want to ask you, because this comes up a lot, like one of the things that you've been non-compromising on is quality of ingredients, right? Like you have not compromised. And so you guys are all about non-toxicity, right? You're like, what we put on our body is just as important as what goes into our body. But I get this question all the time. It's, oh no, I have to make a cheaper product. I have to reduce my price. I have to do blah, blah, blah. And I love that you're a shining example that you can believe in something, you can stand for something, you can create it. And when you're consistent, it'll work. But what's that like for you? Because natural ingredients are not the the common thing. They're not mass produced. It's here. And so have you ever had that come up? Have you ever got to that point where, oh, I should have reduced the price? Or have you always been from day one? This is what's important to me. We're sticking to it. And I'm going to remain on that path until it works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The second one for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And it's tempting sometimes just 
I think like one one of the reasons where we are a direct-to-consumer company, we don't do any retail, is because we want to keep our product as fresh as possible. And so, like you mentioned, shelf life earlier is huge. So like thinking about the ingredients when they're sitting on the shelf as raw ingredients and how much time they're sitting. And then after the product is made, like how much time is that product sitting before it gets shipped out? And keeping everything in-house, in my mind, was like really the best way to ensure that Nothing is sitting around for longer than it should be. Nothing's like getting hot in a warehouse somewhere and being stored in an incorrect way. So all of that stuff is a part of it. And if we were to use ingredients that aren't totally natural and non-toxic, it's so much easier. Yeah. You know, that's not as much of a concern, but I've never let myself go too far down that path of what if we switch this or what? Because it, it's just, it's at the end of the day, like it's not going to be the most pure efficacious product if we were to start making those compromises. And if anything... We've actually made our products more expensive over the years by finding just the top quality ingredients to use. And especially with bringing our herbalist on, she's amazing at just mm -hmm. sourcing out like amazing suppliers and finding suppliers that really take a lot of care with like their storing practices and their extraction methods and that kind of stuff, which at the end of the day, it does increase our price, but that has always been, quality has always been the most important thing to us. And that's never going to change. And I love that. And do you think one of the secrets for that being effective as a company is that you pass that message along to your customers? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like how do you, I, how, I hope so. I hope they see that and, and trust that. Yeah. Cause I don't imagine, I, I don't imagine you get a lot of stuff about, you know, price, but I feel like what you guys do an amazing job of is like educating people. Like you have the product and Part of it is like somebody recognizing, like, oh, I need a more natural deodorant. And then you guys go really far in, okay, now that you understand this, so this is what's in it and this is why it's in it. Like you guys are fully transparent. You believe in like really simple ingredients, keeping it as like streamlined as possible. But I feel like one of the secrets is the level of education that you go yeah. to help people understand it. So what's that like for you? Because you like to write, you do the research, you like to learn about all the ingredients. I'm assuming your herbalist is throwing stuff in your direction all the time. Wait, that existed yeah. and I can do that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I feel like you guys pass that along to your customers. So we've talked a lot about like behind the business, like pre-product, but now post-product and getting out there. Like, how do you go about formulating, like, how are we going to market this? How are we going to talk to people about this? Where are we going to put that out there? What's that process been like for you? And what do you focus on with your team as so important of this is what we have to do, or this is what we have to say? Yeah, you nailed it. Education is, is key for us. So thanks for noticing that and for asking about it because such, it has been really fun bringing our herbalist on because now every time that we launch a product, she creates a briefing about every ingredient in the product, like what it is, what it does, how it's sourced, where it comes from, its origins, any like cultural implications. She creates this like amazing briefing and then has a meeting with our marketing team where she really walks them through every aspect of that product from start to finish. And it's just a really, it, those meetings are always really exciting because the team is learning about these new products for the first time and they're smelling them and they're smelling like the essential oils separately that that make that product and they're also learning about everything that goes into it so i think like they walk away feeling really inspired and excited and then that translates to like the customer messaging that we create and the the blog posts that we create and the newsletters like the launch newsletters and instagram stories and everything else that's being created yeah no i think that's one of the secrets like i 
one of the things I say is nobody has a marketing problem. They have a relationship problem with themselves, their team, and their customers. But in that is like your team, like everybody that touches the outside world that is responsible for the message has a shared vision. They have a shared understanding. They have a shared experience. Like you're yeah. giving them all of the information required so that when they go respond to that comment on Instagram or write that email or create that ad, that they can basically talk about it just like everybody can and really translate that experience over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think that's one of the big things is like education. Like it's only so far to make a product and then we have to get people to understand why it's important, change their current belief systems, realize that mm -hmm. they already have a routine. And I can imagine getting somebody from like Accutane and Proactive to you want me to rub what on my face? Like I'll, mm -hmm. I'll never forget when Lindsay's like, you need to use this salt rock for deodorant. I'm like, what? Is there <laughs> like salt in my armpit? <laughs> and then she's and it's going to take some time for it to like your deep body to detox. And I actually did it and yeah. it worked, but it burned. Yeah. a little bit for a while but it was like i was like what do you mean i don't just put old spice on every day like i don't just use right. like that spray that clogs my pores and i think with everybody education is always so important you guys do it really well and i love that by the way like that gave me a ton of ideas but i love that like you have that person the herbalist she's hey here's the product but here's what goes into the product mm -hmm. here's what this ingredient does and why this does it and how do you guys then take that brief and I'm assuming your marketing team does it, but do they take that same experience and pass that message on to your customers? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they'll they'll use like word for word a lot of the stuff that she creates about the ingredients, and then that goes into the newsletters that we put out when we launch the product, and like also into the messaging that we send to our affiliates, and then that they translate that to their communities. Yeah, it's funny how it like trickles down the ladder, but yeah, it all starts with her and like her vision and insights behind the, the products. Yeah. So now I want to know just a few things. So one would be like, when you look at this, you went from, I'm doing this in my kitchen. I'm watching Breaking Bad while labeling these containers. <laughs> like I'm binging here to like, now I have a team of 40 people. I'm really crystal clear on what matters, what lane we're staying in, how we're never compromising ingredients. Now I have 40 people sometime bringing on temps. What do you feel like is your biggest challenge when it comes to running like a consumer focused like CPG brand? I think I say this now because this has been probably just in the last several months, my biggest challenge, but yeah. like hiring the right people and, and not falling into the trap of, okay, we need this position and panicking and filling it with the wrong person because yes. that just causes way more problems in the end. But yeah, just like being patient and being so clear about who you're looking for and what type of qualities they should have and what type of experience they should have and and not settling and i i think it's it's frustrating the more higher level hires the, the more the more experienced type of hires that you need to start making like they take longer those positions take longer to fill and it's hard sometimes to be patient when you feel like there's so much that needs to be done and and i've fallen into the trap before of just moving too quickly versus just knowing okay i'm going to i'm going to be more involved with this for a little while longer because that's a better option than handing this off to somebody who, who isn't the best person for the job. Yeah. And when you get into that point, hiring a social media poster versus hiring like a CMO or a COO or a director of ingredients or operations is a different. What do you look for when you're looking at that to hire somebody in? Do you look at like yeah. the culture, their history? I'm assuming it's people fit, but like, how do you go about that to make sure that you bring the right person in, not necessarily just the right skill set? 
Yeah, I'm actually in the middle of like refining that process. And I just created this guide because before it was really loosely structured. We would of course have interviews and conversations, but there was no like real structure to it. So I'm hoping to change that. But with this guide, I really lay out what our company culture is, what type of person we're looking for, what type of characteristics they should have. I really want people that care about health and wellness. I think it that is so important because that's what we do. That's like at the heart of everything we do is wanting people to be well and not wanting you know, them to have to sacrifice their health for, you know, how their skin looks. And so I really want people that can get behind that mission. And so I really lay that out in this guide and then also ask really specific questions and that I want people to fill out and send back to us just to weed out anyone that maybe is interested in applying, but not like doesn't really care, isn't really interested in investing the time into the process. I'm hoping that by creating like a more rigorous interview process that will really like nail down the type of people that are applying. Yeah, I love it. No, I I think like it's really interesting. I feel like when I look at your brand from the outside, I see the level of attentiveness and care that's gone into the culture. Like more than even just the product. Like in the beginning, you're making the product, you are putting your heart and soul into it. It's important to you, but not only did you teach people how to make the product and and keep the same values. I feel like you brought people in that believe and feel all the same way that you do. So it's like this superpower of infusion of like values into your product and brand. It's beautiful. Like it really is. No, it really is. So what are you most excited about in like the next like 12 to 24 months? I know you have big visions and big plans and probably like world domination and skincare and disrupting (laughs) the industry, but what gets you really lit up to get up every day I know you love what you do. I know what you love the people, but what do you get so excited about and what's exciting for you in the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, I am fired up about some of the products that we have on our radar to launch in 2020 and in, or sorry, 2021 and 2022. Um, really excited about some of those. We are launching a new deodorant scent that we're going to have our customers be a part of and vote on and, and that kind of thing. So really excited to do that and to make it customer driven several additional face products that we're coming out with just to to better meet people at their skin state. We call them skin states, not skin types, because our skin is always changing. But like several products that we're launching just to like better accommodate specific skin needs. So excited for that. And then I'm really just looking forward to creating more content. And like we talked about, education is such a big part of our brand and especially with natural products. There's just a lot of things that, that people like need to be aware of when they're making the swap and even educating people on the why behind they should, behind why they should make those changes is so impactful. It's always been a big part of our brand, but I'm excited to focus on it like even more. And then I'm excited for our spa to reopen, hopefully yeah, yeah, yeah. in January. Yeah, yeah. Cause I was like, oh, you have a spa too. And I was like, that's a whole different, that's a whole different episode and a whole yes. different unique set of, of challenges and, and lessons. And so uh, I got to know what's your favorite product and what's your husband's favorite product? Ooh. Okay. His favorite product I'm going to guess is the charcoal deodorant. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to get him to have a routine and use a facial, like a a cleansing oil and a toner (laughs) and like a moisturizer. And he's just, he's never consistent with it, but he always wears the charcoal deodorant every day. So I'm going to guess that's his favorite product. 
mine deodorant holds like the most special place mm-hmm. in my heart because it's my first product and it's our best seller and all that but if i had to choose one mm-hmm. to have forever i would probably choose our everything spray because it's so multifunctional it makes a great under armor awesome tones or scrapes or things like that customers are always telling us of like new ways they've found to use it so that would be mine I love it. And then what are you currently reading? Ooh, okay. Three books I'm in the middle of. One is High Performance Habits Mm -hmm. by Brendan Burchard. One is How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen, Mm -hmm. because I have a four-year-old and a one and a half-year-old, and I'm trying to get them to to listen to me. (laughs) And then I'm reading The Carnivore Code Mm. by Paul Saladino. I love it. I love it. I'm actually, what's that one? Because I have a four-year-old. What's that one? How to Talk So Little Kids Listen? Yes, it's so good. I'm gonna oh my add, gosh. I'm going to add that to my list right now because I feel like he talks over me and around me and is smarter than me. <laughs> so I feel like he doesn't listen because he's more intelligent than me. That's what I feel like my four-year-old is right now. <laughs> and then if you could have only one meal, like what would be your favorite food? Mm. Like end of the day, no matter what's your default favorite food. I love these questions. Um Okay, the meal that I'm that I always dream about is with plantains, and I always get that anytime I go to anywhere tropical. Yeah, like Mexico, Costa Rica, I'm always getting like ceviche with plantains. That would be my favorite. Yeah, I get. I feel like mine's always going to be chocolate chip pancakes. Like I can't get off of it. Mm, It doesn't go away. (laughs) Yeah, with like extra chocolate chips and like a butter pecan syrup. I can always change the syrup, but like the chocolate chip pancakes, they're like my jam. So good. They're my jam. Okay, cool. First off, thank you. I'll just publicly say this. Thank you for doing it the right way. Thank you for sticking to your guns and having your values and putting in the work and like being unaffected by the world and be like, this is what I'm going to do. Like you are a shining example of like how to do business and entrepreneurship and impact. And so I want to thank you. Everybody's listening because I think Mm. you're a shining example of doing it. So thank you. Number two, thank you for being here. Just so everybody knows, my favorite products, hands down, I use the flower bath all the time. Lindsay gets pissed at me because it disappears. And she's like, where did it go? I'm like, sorry, I used it. We have our four-year-old that uses it. And he asked for flowers in his bath. <laughs> so he takes an Epsom salt bath. I love that. And then I just saw the Palo Santo spray. And it literally is one of my favorite scents. I literally have Palo Santo on my desk right now. And so right. I'm going to get that. And so for everybody listening, the best place to find you is Primally Pure, right? On the website. Yep. Hit up the Instagram for the beautiful aesthetics. But I have a question that I'm going to let you leave with and end with. And everybody listening, big spectrum of life, big spectrum of entrepreneurs, business owners, or maybe not. Maybe you're just like this random person that found my crazy mind of George podcast. But if you could leave them with one thing, one thought, one takeaway that you could imprint on their brain permanently that you would want them to carry into their life for the next 12 months or beyond, what would that be? Hmm. I think I would just encourage everyone to like never stop learning. One thing I've realized is like the more the more you realize how much you don't know. And there have been so many times where I've just been frustrated or feel like I'm hitting a wall and I always come back to okay, how can I give myself like the time and carve out the time either in the morning or like at the lunch hour or whatever to just flip on a podcast or read a book or read the Bible or whatnot, some, anything that's going to 
maybe create a light bulb moment for me or create, make something clear that wasn't clear before. I think it's easy to just get stuck in our heads a lot of the times and just go on this rabbit hole and just feel stuck. But for me, learning from people that, that have done this before and just looking outside of myself a lot of times, that's something will like click in me and, and that's how I'm able to get through whatever I'm struggling with at the moment. I love it. I love it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to taint that one at all. I'm going to leave that for everybody listening. That's where we're going to end. Thank you for listening to another episode of the mind of George show. Do not forget to take an Epsom fall bath, spray yourself with Palo Santo oil, get a charcoal deodorant or get your husband to have a skincare routine by toning his face. But there's so much in here. I would highly recommend listening to this one again. Please go check out Bethany. And, and I say this, you guys know I talk about companies and brands very openly and honestly. If you want an example of what brand congruency looks like, how to stick to your guns and values, how to lead with education, how to stay connected to your customers, how to get a whole team and culture to look at it, go check out primallypure.com. And until the next episode, when you either see me again or hear me in your earballs, remember that relationships always beat algorithms. Now let's cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.